Welcome to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs, a fresh look at astrology shaped by channeled wisdom on the soul and its human journey. Enjoy inspirational insights on how to change karma and make changes for the better. And now, here's Tom. Welcome to The Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs from TD Jacobs. Dot com and various social media sites, including Facebook, Twitter, etc., and also SoundCloud, moving over into doing audio on SoundCloud. This is episode 141 of The Soul's Journey, and next week will be the final episode. Episode 142 is going to be it for this run on, on uh, Contact Talk Radio. So the archive of the show, all 140 episodes, are in are on my site, and you can subscribe to that to uh, to get all of those hours of lectures and interviews and uh, stuff about soul and astrology and channeling and understanding how to understand what we're actually doing here. So tonight's show, I'm going to talk about uh, multidimensional magic, hence the title, multidimensional magic, with a K at the end. And I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about some of the different experiences that I've had uh, to help you that I've had doing readings, doing energy work and healings and mediumship to help you get some context for how some things work and what's really going on when we think certain things are going on. That'll make more sense uh, once I uh, <laughs> once I actually explain what I'm doing here, what this show is about, or when you're actually hearing it. For the announcements, as I said, the archive of the show is available. And uh, the other announcement is you can still sign up for the Asteroid and Centaur class. It's a live video class every Tuesday. We've done two weeks so far, and uh, it's going to be five weeks total. And you're getting a, an hour-long video each week covering two or three archetypes. One week there will be three archetypes. And uh, it's covering myth and archetype, the difference between social instruction and how we actually are wired, myth and archetype respectively. Um, handouts to give you a sense of how to use these things in astrology charts, handouts including uh, descriptions of in the houses and the signs for each of these 11 bodies, nine asteroids and two centaurs that, I'm, that I use in my practice. So I'm excited about that. We've had two classes uh, thus far. And uh, the thrust of the class, just be aware, is not to teach you all of the details to memorize about houses and signs. The class is really to, as I said, differentiate between myth and archetype so you can see what stories we may think we should be living versus what we actually need to progress through as an archetypal growth process and then how to understand that when it shows up in a chart. So you won't get details on this square that and a lot of, you know, a lot of like fine-tuned details. I want to teach you how to think using these vocabulary words and the and the constructs and all the meaning associated with them, these 11 these 11 things. So the first week was Ceres and Persephone. Uh last night, the second week was Pallas Athene and Juno. Uh, next week is Vesta and Lucifer. Those two are all about service. And then we progress from there. And, and uh, Arjun Suri, Eros, and um, I'm seriously blanking right now. Forgive me. Uh, 
uh, whatever the three and the last uh, the fourth week and then the last week is is Chiron and Nessus now with any of these archetypes there's a larger teaching but I want to teach you how to think astrologically so that you can use them in charts this is not what most astrology classes are like but I'm pretty Uranian and I want to uh, nab you from uh, the Piscean present tense I want to I want to nab you and uh, snatch you away uh, since Persephone is part of the story, I'll say abduct you, so to speak, into an Aquarian Age way of doing astrology, and this class is part of that process. There's a free introductory MP3 that's available on SoundCloud. Look up Tom Jacobs Astrology on SoundCloud and realize that that is where I will be doing original audio after August 26th, next week, the final show of The Soul's Journey. I'm excited about that. Uh, there is a, a channeling MP3 up there right now and uh, a couple other things totaling. There are four uh, files up there right now. People are starting slowly to find me there. And uh, if you're subscribed to the podcast in iTunes, you're just suddenly going to stop receiving them after next week. So I've been trying to announce it all over the place. Hopefully you will look me up if you want to keep uh, following uh, what I'm doing. So the show is about multidimensional magic. This is what I do when I work with clients, when I do healings on anybody, and when I do intuitive research into my own uh, processes and why do I feel this way and what's the, what's the stuck place about this life issue that's coming to the surface now? What, what's behind this? And I do several different kinds of things that uh, are multidimensional, that work on multiple levels and treat the person who's being served or healed as not belonging only in the earth time-space dimension. So in being an emotional being, an energetic being, a multi-life being, a consciousness that stretches across time because your soul is a portion of divine consciousness that inserts itself into the earth dimension and you are therefore living a life, but it's doing so in a lot of places on the earth uh, timeline. So working deeply in the etheric bodies, for example, the subtle bodies, emotional, mental body, deep down under the surface, looking at other lives, healing traumas from other lives, removing residues now that have bled through from across time from painful situations in other lives, removing blocks and knots of all kinds from across time. Now this, this way of looking at a person, like yes, I, I am Tom Jacobs and I am living here and I am in this body and this is my height and my eye color, blah, blah, blah. That's this expression of my soul's journey. But my but the content of my soul's journey is energetic emotional content that teaches the soul how to be a person. So it has all these different lives spread out across time to run different scenarios and work with different variables to see what different things are like with different variables. It's kind of a big topic. <laughs> uh, 
and this is normal for me. I mean, this is what I think about. You know, when somebody says, hey, I have this shoulder pain. Uh, you know, in a, in, in a professional context, I look at it and I may see an energetic source that's basically a belief, which is a karma. Karmas are beliefs that get entrenched and clung to and re reinforced and, in fact, reified and, and, in a sense, worshipped. Power is given to these beliefs. They become deeply entrenched. They become karmas. Some belief from some other life about something. And... I can find the frequency, I can find the level in there multidimensionally, magically, doing multidimensional magic and finding that place, tweaking something, and it goes away. And therefore, the physical body ceases manifesting this knot or block or bruise in the energy field because of this other life situation. So you can't change what's happening elsewhere on the timeline. But you can change how the energies come through to you because you, in, your, in the container of your consciousness now, in this life, as insert your name here, this is your height, this is your eye color, whatever, you are in charge of how you run your energy field. But as it happens, we are all susceptible if we're not intentional about how we run our energy fields. Therefore, what that means is intentional about how we interpret what happens, what we intend, and how we... Uh, relate to others in the world and ourselves and, and uh, the lords and whatever and puppies and everything else. We're in charge of how it runs right now. But yes, these residues can be in there. So um, this is how I see you. <laughs> you might call me in for a reading and say, hey, um, this is what's going on in my relationship and it's really painful and I want to stay here, but it's so painful. I got to resolve it. You know, what do you see? What can I do? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to step into your energy field with permission, of course, and I'm going to look multidimensionally at what's going on vibrationally that has created the karmas that you are now manifesting, created the beliefs that you are now uh, living through the results of. So as I said, this is this is the norm for me. This is how I see everybody. This is how I treat everybody. And uh, occasionally, an experience comes along that reminds me that this is not the norm for other people. <laughs> and I had one of those uh, two nights ago. And I'm going to tell you this story. Because it ended up, in, uh, during this situation, which was a distance energy work session and healing and attachment release session for uh, the child of a client of mine, I um, somebody who's actually worked with crystals and uh, she was uh, interacting uh, with somebody who recommended me. Uh, she said, yeah, I'm looking for a shamanic practitioner, a male who could release an attachment for my kid. And so this person said, call Tom. This is what he does. And when she first told me that, this friend of mine told me that, I said, I do that? Because I don't think of it that way. Uh, but anyway, so I ended up talking to this this woman, and um, they were traveling. The family was traveling, so we made a plan to do it in, in August. And uh kid's just turning 11 this month. But uh, when he was very young, had these volcanic anger explosions and has learned a lot about 
uh, moderating those since then, so things are definitely better. But uh, now she, the mom felt that, that the, the child had an attachment, and so she wanted someone to, to, uh, to go in and release it. And I didn't tell her this until I was doing the session and I recorded an MP3 to explain to her what I was doing. But, but usually when people say, I think I have an attachment, 80 to 90% of the time they do not. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to share the story with you. Because you may think some other influences uh, uh, following you around or stuck on you, but I want to be really clear. Multidimensional approaches look at this life as one of, of many. And so I didn't tell her this when she booked the session because I just wanted to get in there when the time was right and look. But what often happens, like I said, 80 to 90% of the time someone thinks they have an attachment. What's actually happening is a part of them from another life needs healing, soothing, de-traumatizing, uh, needs a great big Epsom salt bath to chill out. A part of them <laughs> looks like someone else's energy. Someone else who has grief or anger or an addiction or self-destructiveness or pain of some kind or you know sense of loss or purposelessness, a loss of faith, it can, sometimes when an other life part comes up within you, it can, to you, look like you have something following you around or you have an attachment or, in some people's vocabulary, a possession. <laughs> anyway, um, so that's what it is often. And I decided to give her the benefit of the doubt, but you know, knowing those statistics when people have asked me for energy work and healing sessions, uh, like I say, one or two out of the 10 people who say they have attachments actually do. Um, so I, we decided to do the session and I, and I was talking with uh, uh, my guides before, or when I was on the phone with her in, in July, and they said, um, you're gonna charge a stone for the kid while you're doing the reading and you're going to put energy into it that suits the solution that is the solution like you're going to do this work distance wise and then you're going to send a stone that's charged to a particular anchoring frequency that will continue the benefit and will and will make this work and so i said hmm i wonder what kind of crystal that will be and eventually it became clear it was going to be a tiger iron piece so i picked one that i had not charged one that was polished and ready to go but not energetically programmed. These are for grounding, for getting our bodies down, or our energy field and our consciousness spread out throughout our bodies, not to come up into the head or up into uh, uh, the heart, but to ground so that we can use our head and our heart uh, without feeling um, you know, held hostage by this rushing of energy that runs up when we have different kinds of past life trauma. And when I booked the session with her, when she booked it, I didn't have the kid's chart at all. And so I just knew that there was a past life trauma. I knew that there was going to be the residue of other life stuff in there, and um, which we all have, but for this kid, for some reason, it was really, really loud, really, really loud and needed attention. So we set the time for, uh, I also got guided to um, do it at night after he went to sleep. So I had her text me when he was going to bed and then I waited a few minutes and then I started the session. Pull up his, I pulled up his astrology chart at that time and there's Pluto and Sagittarius on the Sagittarius Ascendant right in the first house. So 
there's a lot of Pluto energy, which can involve anger and rage and volcanic explosiveness because you don't know how to deal with the pain of what's happened in different lives. So when I saw that, what I was being told and what I was kind of sensing about the kid kind of started to come in focus, opened up the channel, uh, you know, asked for support to do the highest good of all involved, etc. called in Metatron, called in Jehudi, but Jehudi wasn't really present, talked to his guides, the kids' guides, get, get, set the whole thing up, just like I would if the person were with me on the phone, and uh, got in there, and I spent probably over a half an hour on the root chakra itself, just clearing out debris of painful stuff from survival issues. And one of the main images that kept popping up was being plopped into an arena to fight to the death for the entertainment of others, which is a part of human history. And this was loud in this kid's field. Defensiveness. Defensiveness. Not be not not simply not being safe, but being on edge because death is going to come very soon in a terrible, terrible way. This was going on in several different lives. In other lives, there was the debris of having defended himself in different situations, not necessarily in arenas as a gladiator or something or as a you know, slave who's got to kill other slaves or whatever. But having done things even in war that really affect the person, you know, that really you, know, you do something and then you feel crummy about it and it really hurts and you can't undo it. And also seeing things that you can't unsee, but being part of a lot of violence and a lot of difficult stuff. And, um, you know, if you hear a news story or you have a neighbor or a family member who has a, you know, an emergent, like an emerging anger problem or rage problem in midlife or later life, you know, you have different ways of explaining that. And you might look at, you know, ex uh, uh, variables in that person's life and, and pressures and losses and things like that that might explain this, this anger and this rage. When you're talking about a three, four, five-year-old, six-year-old, eight-year-old kid, you have fewer you know, you have fewer context for that. You don't understand that unless you look multidimensionally and realize that some of the worst uh, things that can happen to us in many lives, the themes of them can repeat when we're very, very young. Often before the age of five or six, more often before the age of five, so when we're really young, our worst Plutonian wounding will repeat itself. I almost did the show on that tonight, uh, on that topic. And then I forgot and did this instead. So some other time, find me on SoundCloud. You can hear that. You can hear all about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm like, well, that's a great topic. Why didn't you do that? Oh yeah. Um, so I spent over half an hour, maybe 35 minutes, clearing out the root chakra, spinning the chakra, clearing it out, putting the seed of Metatron's empowered energy in there. All the while, I'm charging this Tiger Iron Crystal that's a handheld piece, but also, and I haven't mentioned this yet, a big slab of Tiger Iron. Actually, before I mailed it to her, I forgot to uh, weigh it, but it's probably a pound and a half. No, it's probably almost two pounds. A big slab of Tiger Iron that's rough. It has one flat, flat side from being cut from a larger piece and uh, unpolished, completely unpolished, uh, but I got all the dirt and the oil from the saw off of it and up with the brush. 
Um, and I charged that too. And they were charged with Metatron's energy. And I'll explain why, I'll explain why in a minute. But it was interesting to charge Tiger Iron with Metatron's energy is a unique and potent combination. I've never done it before. Um, and it's really, really interesting. I didn't understand why, but the whole time I was, I was charging both stones. So I did all this and then, um, actually kind of swooping in from right field without me inviting him was Archangel Michael to clear away some stuff as I was uh, invoking that frequency a little bit. I was uh, deciding that things were going to leave and that things needed to be cut out and, and shed. And he just kind of swooped in. It was very dramatic. Like he just kind of rushed in from stage right. And then he did his thing for like two minutes and then he was gone and nobody talked to him. He didn't talk to anybody. Uh, he didn't look at the audience, you know, just did, did his thing and left. Uh, and that was, a, that was a unique part of this, uh, part of this experience too. Everything happened during this reading, as you're going to hear. Every one of everything happened. Um, so a lot of that clearing in the lower chakras, more intently with the root or first chakra, which has to do with survival issues. And what I was when I was inside the kid's field, what I was reading is that this eruption comes up. He can't contain the energy in his field. And imagine a four or five-year-old kid when he was younger and having these really uh, intense outbursts. Imagine um, like uh, like violent, threatening outbursts, like really scary, not just like having a tantrum, but really scary. Um, you can't contain the energy in your body. And it's toxic energy. And it comes out as anger and violence. And you have no idea what else to do. Just imagine that. So that's why I spent so much time in this root chakra clearing things away. And then the idea is to seed groundedness in here so that he knows he's safe. So I spent a lot of time doing that during the reading too. When all that was done, I looked and I saw the attachments. Now, like I said, Many people who think they may have them do not have them. And I think it's convenient to think we do because, again, we don't understand how an energy could be within us that we can't control, that we don't want, we don't know how to get rid of. And sometimes it's past life parts. And so I address those in total, probably working on four different past life parts of his, including a couple people who were stuck in the arena. Uh, you know, including one of them was facing down a giant cat that was going to and eventually did kill him. Um, you know, that kind of intensity and dealing with those past life parts, bringing some calm and clarity, helping them relax and so that they do not make him feel like he is not safe, which he is in this life. And then I changed frequencies and I looked and I saw these beings that had tendrils in him. And uh, I don't tell these stories often because I don't want to be sensational and I don't want to plant seeds in people's minds that these things are going to come to get you. But in his case, because they're, they're typically not like if you are out of control energetically and emotionally, sometimes things can get stuck on you out of control means I'm not grounded. I'm flailing. I'm emoting. I'm swept away by emotion. I'm not of my body. I'm not intentional. I'm not grounded. I'm not clear. I'm not myself. 
that can come through you know severe depression it often can come through substance overuse of all different kinds um, I've worked with people before who used to drink quite a lot or used to do narcotics or something like that and now are confused about what's going on and they have the spirits of some dead addicts following them around that need to be cleared that's that's something that's happened again I don't talk about it a lot because it's um, I think it can be sensational but it's true it can happen not all the time but anyway to get grounded in your body is to stay intentional and to have boundaries and think about what happens when you use a lot of substances sometimes people, you know, people even say about alcohol it helps you lose your inhibitions well that that helps you forfeit boundaries <laughs> what it means so what am I available to experience me as a divine being in charge of vibrating that to the world around me to create my life what am I available to experience when I am um, drunk off my expletive I don't do that I don't have that I'm flailing around I mean even if I'm slow and stupid about it my energy field my consciousness is not grounded and I open myself up so with this kid the exhaustion that comes from rage or the follows rage and the confusion and fear from all the pain that felt feels toxic that that has been expressed as anger all of that stuff had left him vulnerable and there were four beings that were the same kind of being they looked alike and they had tendrils into him so like if I just if you were sitting in the room in front of me it's not like I would look at his face and see them that's not what it was like though sometimes when a being is attached to you it is like that and I have had that <laughs> I've had that experience with other people before um, but in this case they were attached and with tendrils and they feed off of certain energies and in this case they feed off of anger and these were not deceased spirits of people these were just some things that float around that look for fear and look for pain and um, if you're not self-loving and you're not grounded and you're not clear and intentional as I said you know you you know a person may be be open this is not a doomsday tale for you to to not be upset when something sad happens but you know uh, just don't go off the rails and stay grounded you know get a tiger iron crystal from me and stay grounded so I see them and then I realize that this has only happened twice before and it happened two nights ago and it was a a wonderful experience I, if you heard from episode 137 I put a bonus track on SoundCloud uh, a few dozen people have heard that by now but but it was the oh, the extra part of the reading from monthly drawing winner Michael um, and I ended up telling him a story that that had to do somewhat somewhat with this and what happened the other night is I realized that this army of alien beings that is accessible to me when I do mediumship work appeared behind me and they line up behind me and let me know that they have my back the two times I've, I've interfaced with them before it was amazing because I had the the power of these beings who are so aligned with truth and love that they are power 
this time, as soon as I saw the, their frequencies, I saw them behind me, felt them lining up, as soon as I relaxed because I knew exactly what was going on, meaning I had to face these attachments and clear them, but it was a little more than I might be able to handle with just my personality. So they appear. They moved into me. They came into me from the back. And that's never happened before. <laughs> when I've worked with them before and they've been behind me, lined up like I'm the, the lead bowling pin is what it looks like, but there are like over 100 of them. Um, I've had to do things. I've made intentions. I've done this. I've done that. I've done things the other two times I've worked with them. This time, they stepped into me. They rushed into me, and I inhabited what they knew, which is I don't have to do anything to clear these beings except decide that the frequency I'm currently carrying, which was Metatron and these beings who are associated with Metatron indirectly. Uh, it's kind of a long story, but, but that's who they are. They're kind of they seem to be available to some people who work with Metatron. That that that's kind of what I that's kind of what I get. Let me check the time here. I have no idea how long I've been doing this. Okay. <laughs> Just tell Tom's telling stories. And then 10 hours pass and his voice is gone and doesn't fit on the radio show. Anyway, um So at that point, I relaxed and I felt those four beings start to, so to speak, argue with me. In the past, when I've done clearing work on attachments and entities, and I've dealt with a dead serial killer, I think that's what got that's what was in the the Michael extra bonus conversation thing. Um, when I've dealt with things that people would say are evil, I have been confronted with these waves of chills of a particular kind. And it's kind of a defensive thing. Like there's a certain frequency of a disembodied being who is trying to do battle with you. In the past, I've done that. I've had to not puff up, but I've had to like ground and get really firm and really intense and scorpionic warrior, you know, expletive kicking. Like I've had to do that. And it kind of feels to me in the moment like I'm puffing myself up, but I'm really just gathering energy to vibrate something positive in the face of this negativity that would like to say, um, I win, but I get to say I win because I'm loving. This time, I'm full of these beings, and I think, I mean, I state in my mind, nobody stays attached to this boy. They do what, like what I said, seems would seem like arguing or fighting, trying to attack me. And I don't have to defend myself because the vibration I'm embodying, they can't touch. And this is magic. This is magical. And I'm sitting there doing this, knowing that this is one of the things that I do. Scorpionic <laughs> magician, sorcerer. Merlin is one of my guides. Merlin is a face of Jehudi. Merlin himself is one of my people. And of course, Metatron, who's 
pretty amazing too. So I'm just holding this vibration and they struggle against, they think they're struggling against me, but I'm holding all of this power which is calm and peaceful and settled and rested in the truth and they give up and they leave. And all I did was say, the vibration I'm carrying now covers this boy. Everybody else leaves. There are no more attachments. There's a lesson in there, I think, about manifestation, too. Making things happen in 3D. Not to get too far off on a tangent, but I think it's, I think it's an important one. Embodying the vibration of what matters to you, honoring the truth of who you are, being aligned with the higher truth as well. Like taking your truth and surrendering it to a higher truth. What purpose do I serve with my life? Something like this. Like here is who I am. How can I serve with that? That is what every soul is about, by the way, because souls are divine love. They incarnate into us and we have these personalities that get defensive and close down and don't open to love. How can I be of service is what how can I be of service to all the other souls is what each soul has in its heart, by the way. So when you're in that space where you are aligned with who you are, you're truthful, you're honest, you're grounded, there are no dark you know, closets within you that are closed with shameful slams of, I don't like that part of myself. That thing is not true about me. When you own who you are and you surrender that to a higher, higher purpose, you make things happen by saying them, by creating a vibration. This is the idea of uh, the biblical thing in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. I wrote a satirical poem about that later, which is why I know that line. I don't even know where it's from. I just make fun of the Bible. I don't know where it is. But in the beginning was the word and the word was, was with God and the word was God, whatever. <laughs> I think I'm getting into how I distorted it. But anyway, vibration, truth, speaking from that place creates. So I was in this moment, and it took us several minutes, maybe maybe even six or eight minutes, for the beings to stop trying to stay, but their influence got less and less as I pinpointed the seed of this vibration in the kid's field, which wasn't possible, for reference, before I spent over half an hour clearing out the fears, pain, debris, drama, trauma, uh, terror, uh, past life trauma crap from the root chakra. That was the source of the bubbling up volcanic, uncontrollable anger that had him be violent and angry without even, I'm sure, understanding any bit about it. And the whole time, I'm putting this frequency I'm describing, these frequencies, into the tiger iron that's going to go to his house, that's on its way now. And the big piece is meant to anchor this vibration and this story in the kid's life, in his life. So the small one, I'm hoping mom can get it into a backpack or something so we can take it with him. Or be on a desk where he does homework or whatever. But this other one, to be in his room or near it, to anchor this frequency of 
essentially, you, you are now part of Metatron's tribe. That's what the whole point of this reading was. Metatron was like, you know, you, at this point in his life, don't worry so much about giving him affirmations or trying to enroll him in this way of thinking. But give him this chunk of rough rock that is an anchor point, that's, that anchors my vibration in his world. He's now part of my group, so to speak, as I interpret it, he didn't say it this way, but so to speak, under the protection of Metatron, so to speak, like part of the club. So that even as he learns how to process anger, and even if things bubble up now and then, he's not susceptible to attachment and being swept away by these uh, processes and these loops that uh, feed fear and pain. So I did this reading two nights ago. It, it took about 70 minutes, and I did record an MP3 for about 40 minutes for the mom. I wanted to explain to her what was going on, because she'd asked me a few weeks prior, will we speak afterwards so you can let me know how it went or what you did? And uh, I realized that I should record something. So I also recorded, I recorded all this stuff and described these processes and what I was seeing about the multi-life journey. And then I also included notes on his birth chart so she would have that, uh, would have that reference point. And uh, I also explained he has Pluto opposite Moon, Pluto and Sag on the Ascendant, opposite Moon and Gemini on the Descendant. And what that does is, you know, all this Plutonian pain that's occurring and this drama is happening separated from family. So in a bunch of lives, there, there is not only a very direct sense of I am in hell and I don't have access to any safety and I don't belong anywhere because these tumultuous circumstances are taking over, Plutonian things things outside my control that are very scary. Opposing moon, I'm far from family. I don't have support. I'm on my own, especially Pluto in the first. I'm on my own. And so I described to her that one of the best healing remedies for all the stuff we're talking about going forward is, and, uh, and uh, uh, what I could see in his field was a source of healing thus far because he has improved and things have gotten better was the inf influence of other people. You know, Moon in the Seventh. Actually interfacing with, connecting with, talking with other people. And as he grows and is able to manage his energy more, he'll be able to uh, not be um, uh, stuck in these loops of volcanic eruption. So listening to others, interacting with others, receiving feedback from others and slowing down in order to have all these things uh, to, to allow such things to unfold is a huge part of his healing journey to resensitize himself to the impact he has on others and to get in touch with the feelings within him of the effects that others have on him without necessarily being volcanically uh, reactive. This is, uh, this is a huge part of his healing journey. After the reading was over, uh, I felt um, I wasn't hyped up or amped up. And sometimes when I've done work with that 
work of that kind, especially up against um, beings that have negative energies and negative desires and I have to clear something, it's not uncommon for me then to be up really late at night jacked up. <laughs> but this time I wasn't jacked up because I wasn't on the defensive and I didn't have to fight something. And I felt peaceful and I was up maybe not half the night, but I was up a long time and the thought of sleep didn't even occur to me because I felt so uh, so incredibly grounded. So I'm, I'm actually going to play with big pieces of Tiger Iron and putting Metatron's frequency, this harsh core seriously vibrating, replace a negative with a positive, not naively look on the bright side, but really realize that the vibrations that you are, the manifestations in your life are reflecting what you are vibrating. So this harsh core reality check in the tiger iron, and I have taken some pieces, some large pieces that would be cut up into three or four handheld pieces each, and I have been energetically charging one. I started the other night uh, before all this happened. This was my warm-up. <laughs> Um, and I'm going to be experimenting with those different from a piece I might carry in my pocket that's a reminder, you know, a small reminder, and essentially paperweights. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to experiment with doing those. And so um, if you're following what I'm up to, you may see an uh, announcement of that because these chunks of, you know, two, three pounds of tiger iron can really, apparently, uh, according to Metatron, really anchor things in a wonderful way to uh, put it in a room. And just have that room be affected by this vibration. Whether or not the little handheld piece you carry with you is there. So that was a really, was a really amazing experience. And I wondered how I would talk about it. I, I knew that I would describe it to, uh, to my girlfriend. Uh, and the next day, because she went to bed at a reasonable hour. And this happened after people go to bed. And so I talked to her the next, the next uh, day after work about it. And uh, it just sounded so fantastical. And she, you know, she was really, she was following it all and interested. And, and she loves hearing those stories about, about all this multidimensional magic. Um, and then I thought, man, I should write that down. Should I write that down, question mark? Uh, and I realized, no, I just needed to rest because since then I haven't slept that well. Because <laughs> I sent that stone off. I sent the stone off to the woman to to put with the kid, and I felt like something's missing. So, so I need to, uh, like I said, I'm going to get my own going when I'm a little more well well rested. But yeah, I decided to do the show on this tonight after forgetting the other topic. And um, you know, one of the things to talk about is that you know, in that in that realm of doing multidimensional work, doing mediumship work energy work, healing work, traveling through time. Um, if you know that you're safe, then you're safe. It's that simple. And here on Earth, if you are, you know, living in 3D and you're not doing magic, magical multidimensional stuff, if you know you're safe, you begin to create safety. In that world, things are very directly manifest. In that world, anything can happen on those planes. 
on this plane, we are dealing with the physical. And one of the things about the physical in our, in our bodies and the world around us is that things in our, in our body manifest and the world around us organizes itself and manifests in terms of what we're vibrating, what we're vibrating on all levels. And every human is vibrating things of which he or she is not aware, at least at first. So in those realms, I'm suddenly, I can do anything. When I'm doing mediumship, I can do anything. And in, in readings before, when I've, when I've done what's called spirit rescue and release, which is when you uh, assist a spirit who either doesn't know he or she is dead, but needs to leave, or somebody who's um, perhaps creating mischief, but doesn't know what's going on or understand how to get out of it. Uh, that's called spirit rescue and release. I think the rescue thing is kind of annoying, but that's what it's called. I just think of it as spirit release. Basically, spirit counseling to help them let go of whatever they're attached to on the earth plane so they can progress into that next space and learn from their relatives and, and go into the light. Well, in those readings before, I have done things like opened the door to the light. <laughs> like, like it's not um, like a gate into heaven, right, with an old white guy in a toga with a tablet. No. And it's not um, the light at the end of the tunnel, right, from, an, from a near-death experience. But it's, um, I'm basically opening the door between dimensions. Out, you know, the door that goes outside the 3D earth plane into that place, which is where all the loved ones are, which is where all the education happens after you die, if you're willing to go, quote, into the light, unquote. Like, that's place, but I've reached up there and opened it. So you can do anything in there when you're grounded and you're and you and you know that you're safe and you're and you're loving and open and square and grounded. In 3D, this is also true, but things are slower because of the variables we're dealing with. So there's certain things in my life that are happening because of my vibrations, even the unconscious ones. There are rhythms in place. There are uh, machinations unfolding based on what I've set in motion uh, because of what I'm vibrating, what I'm afraid of, what I fear, what I feel, what I want, what I hate, what I regret, all these kinds of things. So anything in that other realm can turn on a dime. And I could be a thousand feet tall and have 20 heads and 40 arms if I wanted. In this plane, though, it's a little slower and it feels mucky. It feels mu muddy and swampy, and uh, like you're walking around in like a, a what's that stuff? Like a marshmallow fluff. Like you're walking around in uh, molasses or marshmallow fluff or whatever, or nut butter. You're walking around in nut butter. And so one of the things I've learned from working in those other places is to take that mindset and embody it here. This has been actually pretty hard for me at certain times because I get distracted by uh, what's going on in my personality. And it can be easy to get caught up in your preferences and your likes and your desires and, and your reactions to things, your judgments, your thoughts, your opinions. So this was a fantastic reminder of that truth because I, I did feel off track. 
I had no idea how I was going to do that reading. And then starting about an hour and a half before it, I started to come out of my little funk for the day. And uh, things, you know, I started to get back in that space and the Metatron, I connected with him and, and all that stuff opened up that I described. So we can get frustrated in 3D about the manifestation process because we have to juggle all the variables that are already happening and already unfolding that we've already set in motion. So things don't seem to happen at the speed that our higher selves or spirit seem to remember, that our souls do remember happen outside the earth plane. And so to create something in the earth plane, you have to hold the intention and then know that what comes next serves you. It might seem like I'm getting off track from describing this whole situation, but describing that whole situation, that reading, was really about talking to you about this multidimensional perspective. And so if I can take what I learn in that space into 3D and then tell you about it, that's kind of what I'm doing here. You know, how do we manifest? We hold a vision. We hold an intention. We hold a vision. We check what vibration that vision came from within us. What motivates that decision? We check that. And, uh, and then we proceed allowing the world to organize itself, though it sometimes is a little slower, or it often is slower, than our imagination, which in the imaginal realms, in these uh, multidimensional places, is all there is. I forgot to tell you one detail that I'm going to I'm going to tell you about doing this reading because it just came back to me. I was I was actually um for a number of shows the last few months, um you missed a lot of them because the feed got messed up. So you <laughs> but for for the last uh and you didn't get episodes for two months. But the um I was I've held in my left hand a small piece of Oralite 23 and a, a small piece of blue kyanite. I don't offer kyanite, but I do offer Oralite 23 for connecting with higher vibrations and and uh, and uh, overcoming negativity and things like that. You can read about that on the crystals page of my site. I've always held them in my left hand, and that's just what I'm used to often holding crystals in my left hand when I'm going to do them and using them. So I've been holding them because what these do is they help align my fifth, sixth, and seventh chakras together so I can flow with something that is true for me. It ends up making me feel very um, uh, connected to what I'm saying and I feel like I'm on point and, uh, you know, people say to me afterwards, well, that was the best show yet, you know, after three, almost three years of the show. And so anyway, I just noticed that I was holding them in my right hand and that reminded me to tell you something. Um, one of the first pieces of tiger iron that I polished was an un comfortable lump <laughs> that's about half polished and it's this weird shape that I didn't know I I tried to use it I tried to you know whatever I, and I did put energy into it early on but the other night uh, this idea of having like uh, paperweights or something you know these larger pieces of tiger and I got it out of the closet where it lives on a shelf and I brought it over here and I was holding it in my left hand and charging it and working with it I put it in my right hand and it actually fit. 
have always charged things with my left hand and suddenly I got balanced and so now I was holding this thing in my right hand and it was actually being this amplification device for all the energy that was coming out of my left hand and going into these stones. So now this tiger iron piece, this weirdly shaped thing that suddenly I realized actually fits in a weird way in my right hand, the hand I would never choose for it because I charge things with my left hand, I meditate with a stone in my left hand. So this was really interesting and I felt this um, electric engagement like instead of energy going out of me through the left hand into the stone during this reading I felt that the source of energy was actually in my right hand but it was being charged because I was holding it so it was kind of like doubling back in kind of a loop that kind of switched over switched back and so I can't wait to hear from this woman what happens when this big stone gets there because this was unprecedented and so since then um, I've been able to put energy in stones with my left or right hand and so I've gotten one more balancing thing if, a couple years ago I talked about hemispheric balance and how I uh, had an experience an upgrade from Metatron that, that kind of left me wondering like I knew I was right-handed but that didn't make sense and I kept trying to use my left hand for things and I didn't have the motor control and somebody wrote me and said, you should get a CAT scan because I'm concerned sometimes that's a brain tumor or something like that. And it wasn't. It isn't. But um, but this balancing of hemispheres, you know, doing more energy work, doing more shamanic work, sometimes these things get – you get upgrades. So now I was – you know, when I was talking before that reminded me of this, I was holding the Kyanite and the Oralite 23 in my right hand and feeling comfortable. So all that stuff's kind of rebalanced, and uh, that's actually really interesting. Uh, so I'm going to be playing with that um, and seeing what happens with that. And I don't know, it doesn't make me automatically ambidextrous, but it means that because there is an issue of motor control and neurology here and training, conditioning, you know, for the uh, control centers in the brain. But um, I'm more balanced. I'm spread out. And so that's actually going to be going to be interesting going forward to see to see how energy work unfolds after this. Oh, okay, so this is uh, the end of the penultimate episode of The Soul's Journey. Again, this is episode 140. You can get the archive, 140 episodes of all of these things, including karmic profiles of famous people, on-air readings with people you've never heard of but would like to know, uh, um, interviews with some authors and practitioners about different things, all kinds of stuff about outer planet transits, all kinds of stuff about the journey of soul, and some channeling uh, thrown in there too. And so uh, next week, uh, it's a surprise. I have no idea what I'm doing for you next week, but you will find out when you hear it. Um, but I am going to transition over to SoundCloud and keep that in mind if you want to keep getting original audio from me of all different kinds. Look up Tom Jacobs Astrology on SoundCloud. Follow me there. You can also follow me on uh, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and uh, Stuff and Junk. And I do readings, and I've written or published, written or channeled 15 books, and uh, there's so much astrology audio and channeled audio on my site. It's unbelievable, tdjacobs.com, and I will happily talk to you next week. Have a great week. 
You've been listening to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs, a fresh look at astrology and soul inspired by channeled wisdom. For more information, tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific. Connect with Tom directly via www.tdjacobs.com. That's tdjacobs.com.